Hey ladies, welcome to WTF, Women Talking Frankly, a running conversation with your hosts, Kyle and Candace. And you, about issues facing women, such as health, hormones, our looks, our libido, life, and anything in between. We promise to dig deep and get into it each episode. Welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. Welcome back, everybody, to WTF. Kyle and I are here uh, with Dan on a... It's actually not so hot today. It's wonderful. nice. Cool. We're cool. We are chilling because we're only in the high 80s instead of the high 90s or the low 100s. We've had horrible heat in the Pacific Northwest. We've got pandemic fatigue. We've got climate reports, climate change, and we've also got National Wellness Month. Yay! So that's a happy point. And we were, Kyle and I were thinking it would be fun to, as we become more known to our listeners and you to us, that we share some of the ways that we practice wellness. Um, I think it's cool that there's a National Wellness Month. I think it's great. What is? It, and t- tell me what that entails exactly. It's a perfect time to take stock, as you were saying, and and the definition. It was it's it was started, I guess, in 2018, and this year the celebration it focuses on self care. Wow. We so, do, what do we need that? Yeah, self self care taking many forms. I often. Tell women that I talk to, wow, we are, we women are notorious mm-hmm. for taking care of everyone but ourselves, right? Totally. We're always saying yes to everybody and everything and not so often yes to ourselves. So, self care, let's think about that. It takes many forms, it can mean different things to different people. So, Kyle and I are going to share some of the ways that what it means to us. And, and, and she found something pretty cool the self care wheel which is, it's a tool for helping us determine where there is an imbalance in our life and how to correct the course. So we're going to refer to this self-care tool, which is sort of six, a six-pronged approach to the conversation. But um, before we start, I just wanted to say, again, National Wellness Month focus on self-care. And I wanted to, we're going to kind of try to look at how we practice self-care in our physical, emotional, and mental lives and share some of that with you. Stress management is the second aspect of this National Wellness Month. Their focus, what steps do we take to manage our stress Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't manage us? And Kyle had just given me this great book, The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. And I I love this little, life is short, be kind to yourself. It's great. It's a great little book. That's, you know, crying releases stress hormones, makes you feel better. Be kind. Let yourself, let it down, let it out. And the third aspect of National Wellness Month is promoting healthy routines. Mm. So- I like that word resilience. How do we cultivate resilient responses to the challenges we face in in a world of abundant stress? Um, And another thing from the comfort book that I found a quote, in order to get over a problem, it helps to look at it. You can't climb a mountain that you that you're pretending isn't there. I love that. So, so those sort of, you know, that gives us some, some focus. Um, I had some ideas and thoughts about how we learn different ways Mm -hmm. to connect, to be active, to be creative, to be healthy, to be happy, to age gracefully and to be grateful. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some of those things now. And and so you tell us more about your self-care wheel. 
Well, it's fun. Uh, Candace um, and I always talk about what topics we're going to be talking about. Sometimes we have guests, as many of you listeners already know. But this time we thought it's time to check in with one another. We haven't had a, done that in a while. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that this uh, it's August is National Wellness Month. I mean, how timely is that? We all have been living through this pandemic now for 18 plus months. We're exhausted. And what I've always seen in my practice, to your point, Candace, about um, routines and having you know a schedule... I hear this over and over again. I I got to get a routine. I got to get back into my thing. I, I've got to climb back into the exercise thing. I've got to get back on a better diet. Mm. How often have we all said that to ourselves? I find that as, and I know Candice, you're too, I found myself getting more and more disciplined as I get older, and that makes it easier. I only have to climb back up a little bit each time. Mm-hmm. Like last week, I did a five-day cleanse. I did a you no know, alcohol, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy for five days, just a kind of a reset button. Just in the middle of the summer, I find that that really helps me get back on track again. Because, you know, we get so – the routines we have now are so different than we used to have. We have had – we just can't do with reckless abandon all the things we've always been able to do. We can't just go, okay, I'm going to jump on a plane. I'm going to go so-and-so. I can't just go. I can't have a big party. We're still having restrictions, so we're finding new ways of defining our lives, of connecting. And I think connections have been lost in many ways over the last 18 months. A lot of people are still floundering with that. I, I think we have done a pretty good job of that, but we still have had our wings clipped, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways. We can't do the things we've always been sort of taken for granted, like you said, the gratitude thing. We just yeah. are running ragged. So when you told me about this, I went online and found this self-care will and To your point, um, it has six spokes, and it goes into uh, physical, the psychological, emotional, spiritual, personal, and professional. And each of these has had a heavy hit against it in the last, you know, 18 months. So how do we get to that new normal that we're not going to get back to our old normal? I think that's going to take a while, but a new normal where we're thriving and not just surviving. But it reminds me this, I don't know if you remember reading the book. I know, Candice, you read this book. I'm sure many of you have as well, Gift from the Sea. Oh, yeah. And Maura Lindbergh, yeah. and she talks about when she was really struggling in her life and she went to the beach that summer and she would pick up a, a, a shell and she would sort of compare her life to it. But she said she was off kilter in her life and she compared... Um, life to a, a, I don't know if you remember this, I always remember this analogy, a wheel with many spokes. Yes, and, exactly. Right? I mean, the e- balance. It, so if one How spoke was too long. balance? balance. Yeah. So if one spoke is too long and another one is too short, so let's just say, for example, your spirituality is too short, but your, your physical is long, you're going to have a bumpy mm-hmm. road. So you have to bring those all back into balance again. So I love that sort of visual in my life, mm-hmm. having them all be pretty close to the same um, focus, uh, uh, area of focus in our lives. They're sort of centrifugal forces. Yeah. Yeah. Did I just say that word right? Centrifugal. centrifugal. Well, think about people who have word. like, you know, who are so <laughs> obsessed with their diet or exercise, like people who have like eating disorders or exercise disorders. They're so focused on that physical, how they look, that they don't aren't focusing on maybe how they're feeling or their spirituality, and so that life is very imbalanced. So I- That's right. Letting certain aspects, these these forces, these com- and often they're competing. I mean, they're yeah. competing. Yeah. yeah, for your time. 
for our time and our attention. And, and, and our energy. And if, and if something goes wrong or is, is off, that's where we pour everything. So that's where the idea of talking about wellness as a whole, as mm-hmm. with all these folks, because it is our it is our physical body, but it's also our, our mental selves, our psychological, yeah. emotional, our spiritual selves. Yeah. Each day. So, and each day we have to, maybe each day we don't give to our professional self, but each day we have to give to our physical self. We mm-hmm. have to give to our emotional self. We really should be giving it to our spiritual self. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things sure. that we really should every day say, I have to do this today for myself to be a better and more balanced person and a healthier person. I think we are all seeking balance, especially maybe a bit more furiously now because mm-hmm. we are so, you know, the idea of un- the uncertainty and the imbalance that's, that is our world now, mm-hmm. the abundance of stress that we're living with, um, you know, and trying to get on with things and trying to create new responses, which is... Fair enough. I mean, as we get older, we can't use the same responses and the same knee-jerk reactions to everything that worked for things that worked for us before don't necessarily work for us now. And we may have to make modifications based on our own physical ailments or stage of life or financial situations. We have to make we always are punting and modifying in our lives. But I think, you know, I and I know Candace, you think about this as well, but I think back to two years ago, we had no idea this was coming. We had no idea this pandemic was gonna hit us and it was gonna really change. And I think so many of us have become more thoughtful about our lives and our freedoms and what we have in front of us. And we don't have maybe the same freedom we but we still have a lot. You know, I think it's interesting that um we have you know, there's certainly I have a book on my bedside table about the nineteen eighteen, the great flu. Oh yeah. The one I told you about? No. Um, a- another friend was reading it and had a hopeful pull of the um, stars. Uh, sorry, pull the pull of the stars. Uh, no. Okay. No, it w- it's called the Great Influenza. Okay. Or the Great Fl- by John Barry, and um, a friend brought it to my attention and was saying that she it was kind of a hopeful news that in with the Great Flu. Um, there were several variants, but they then just kind of dissipated and faded out. They didn't get worse, oh, which good. is, I think, one of the things we've been fearing during this pandemic, that every variant, every new mutant is going to be worse than the last, but that's not necessarily well, that's uh, a given. That's evolution. So when you think, I, mean, it's, uh, just, well, I know we're digressing about this, but let's just talk about COVID right now. The thing yeah. we want to really encourage all of our listeners, if you haven't been yeah. vaccinated, please get vaccinated because a virus is only alive if it has a host. A virus does not live on surfaces for very long, and it will eventually die if you don't have a, a, a population to infect. Mm-hmm. So every time it has a population to inf- infect, it has the ability to, to mutate. Some of those mutates, they're called variants. Some of them are robust, like you're talking about Delta, and other ones may not be so robust, and they will, they will fade out but we're worried about a more robust variant than Delta. So we have to get as many people vaccinated as possible so the virus has nowhere to go. If the virus has nowhere to go, it will fade away. But let's until, not host the virus. Yeah, let's, let's not be hosts. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't. I, you know, it's not like having a dinner party. This is a contagious disease. I saw the funniest <laughs> meme somebody sent me yesterday. It was Betty White, <laughs> and she was holding her bra out. She's still alive. Yes, Good thriving. God. Talk about thriving. She was. It was a picture of Betty White with her bra um, kind of put, pulled out to the side, and she had a fan <laughs> underneath it. Oh no! And it said. For all you men out there that complain about wearing masks, try wearing a bra in August. <laughs> right on. Awesome. It was just great. Yeah. So anyway, that's our public service announcement. No, I, I think, you know, just keep in mind the people that are in the hospital right now with our new epidemic are not the vaccinated. No. 
They're, they're the unvaccinated, and we, you know, we hope that that people will, for whatever reason, some people have good reasons, but, um, but whatever the reason, protect yourself. Think of the common good. This isn't a personal choice anymore. No, I think it's, it's beyond a personal choice. This is a collective it is. sort of thing. So, so, talk so about moving it. on. I mean, that's physical. Let's Absolutely. start with the physical. That that first spoke of of that stress wheel, self self care wheel. And I heard um, this great podcast today. I was listening to the TED Radio. And it was talking about um, it was it was a pod, it was a t- podcast from about six months ago about finding value in the slow, and they talked about sloths, which was fascinating. I knew mm. nothing about sloths, but then it talked about sleep, and it said you can't. So sleep is, I think, the first thing we should talk about with our physical health. You can't rush sleep. When you sleep, you're supposed to get seven to nine hours of sleep a day. When you try to uh, diminish that, you're actually losing your REM sleep. You're not lo- your first part of your sleep is essentially your non-REM sleep. That's the restorative sleeping sleep sleep. But the REM sleep is where your brain can can rejuvenate. And when you kind of say, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm going to just get four to six, five hours. It's robbing your body of your immune system and also your ability to restore and refresh your mind and your body. So sleep is kind of, I think you can't rush sleep. So you can't like say, tonight I'm going to sleep 10 hours, tomorrow I'm going to sleep six, and think that's going to be okay. So sleep, I think, is a really important, um, what do I want to say, like a stepping, a stone in, that we want to put in the ground for our health. And and we were going to um, do some personal disclosure here. I think uh, Kyle knows, obviously, that my husband has terrible sleep issues. And oh, me being a health educator, we've tried so many different things, and we've come back to the place where it's really about um, some behavioral therapy, the things you say mm-hmm. to yourself, you know, the things you decide, oh, I can't sleep. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll just, I'll just, if I can at least get four hours, I'll sleep when I die. You know, that, that sort of I've said logic that. does not, do, just doesn't work. And, and of course we know that, and we've had a, we've had a show on sleep and I hope you all will listen to it. I can't remember what episode it is, but, but, you know, sleep is, um, you know, it's that, it's that, elusive, I think all the more elusive since people have lost our circadian rhythms. We're not Mm -hmm. living in tune with light and darkness. We, you know, we're in front of our computers all day and I hope I'm not repeating myself too much, but I still meet people who will admit that they're on their cell phone or their computer at night, their iPhone, television, get those blue blockers, folks. Mm -hmm. You know, that is so, so important. Turn it off. Yeah, turn or turn it, it off. off. Just the the freedom of turning off your phone is really a, a very lovely feeling. There's something it's different than putting it on an airplane mode or putting it in a different room. Yeah. Turning it off frees you. I, I I just turn the volume off and I put it in another room at night. But I because I think that if somebody wanted needed to get a hold of me, I always worry without the landline mm-hmm. that there's an emergency. But I think that we've gotten. I mean, I think you know you get this thing saying how much time you spend on your phone each day. It is an addiction. That is truly, we all are. You walk, we've talked about this before, walking down the street, people have their phones in their faces and not looking at each other anymore. People are going out for dinner with their loved ones and they're sitting there all looking at their phones. We've Parents got, with their children and they're tough. all on the cell and you're, they're not talking to each other. It's no. So that's, that's also personal care. So turn off your phone, you know, put it down. Um, and I think that so sleep's really important. Of course, our diet, and we've talked about diet before, but really try to, especially this time of year, fresh fruits and vegetables, really, you know, make sure you're eating as close to nature as possible. The, the rainbow. The rainbow. Eat we, a rainbow every day, not M&Ms. Yeah. Get, get, and, I, and I think there's something uh, important to be said for the concept of the fab four, where you get in every meal as much as possible, get some good fats, and that's always the... Mm-hmm. 
you know, the, um, the olive oil, the coconut oil, the avocados, the eggs, the fatty fish. The nuts. The nuts and seeds, all these lovely natural things mm-hmm. that taste so Flax good together. Flaxseed, yeah, they're great. Flaxseed. Get your protein in. Um, it's so, you know, fats and protein are the building blocks of hormones. We talk a lot about hormones here. And protein is important. There are many, many people that are plant-based, and and we need to move towards a more plant-based world. Obviously, the methane that is created, the greenhouse gases by animal protein is a problem. So when you say Fab Four, what are the other two? um, Well, there are... The Fab Four, as coined by Kelly Levesque, who's a really popular, she's written a book on intuitive eating, and I think that Fab Four idea took off because the the other two are fiber and greens. Okay, that makes sense. And and then complementary to that, of course, are fruit and grains. Okay, but yeah. but just trying to get in the the fiber that is so helpful to you know cutting the impact of sugar and simple carbs to helping us detoxify. Um, the, the greens, we know horm- hormonally, greens, especially crucifers, can really help us metabolize sure. excess hormones and get rid of accumulations that are making us toxic and imbalanced. So eat plenty of those cauliflower, we, Brussels sprouts. Don't eat them raw. And we need protein because we need to have protein. the building blocks of neurotransmitters and, and fat we need for everything. We need for, yeah. uh, you know, for, for fat storage and for, I mean, sorry, for um, energy, long-term energy. I think, too, we have to talk about hydration, especially with, oh, I, mean, yeah. so, I mean, I know so many people that just say, I don't drink water. I'm like, how can you live without drinking water? I mean, tea is great. There's certain teas, but we know they're diuretics. Mm-hmm. And if you drink a lot of um, non-water drinks, a lot of them have a lot of sugar in them and they have a lot of things in them you don't really want to have all day long. So I think water is really pivotal. Make sure you hydrate. Remember when Tracy was on, we talked about a lot of people think they're hungry. They're really just thirsty. They're just thirsty. So how do you, let's talk a little bit about how we get ourselves enough water every day. How do you manage to get, you're playing tennis and working out a lot. I have my water bottle with me all the time. I, mm-hmm. often, and now I'm using electrolyte tabs in there because I have I, I, something called noon and you. UN, because I'm playing a lot in the heat. So I try to have a couple of bottles of water a day, and they're about, what, I think uh, 32-ounce bottles of water. I drink a lot of tea. Mm-hmm. I don't drink a lot of coffee. I I do like my wine, so I try to have my wine and my water. Tell us a little bit about the electrolytes. Oh, electrolyte, they just have tabs in them, and mm-hmm. I, find, I find that when I put an electrolyte tab in my water, I don't have to go to the bathroom as much. I don't, I'm, I'm actually... My body seems to hold on to the water better. I'm not like running to the bathroom to urinate 9,000 times a day. So we were talking about this in my tennis class the other day, and I think it makes me feel a lot sharper. I don't get those sort of like uh, dips. Like we've been playing, and it's been hot. So I don't get those dips. I take them on the golf course. I just find those little tabs that you get get them at New Seasons or REI. They're great. So it helps you to stay hydrated, to put electrolytes into the water that you're drinking. It does. Can you overdo it with electrolytes? I think you probably can, but Mm -hmm. I think you – I don't try to – I don't have it with every bottle of water, but especially if I'm mm-hmm. playing in the heat. And then, of course, sodas and energy drinks and caffeine rob our body of water. Exactly. So those are not the things, even though th- there's sometimes nothing more refreshing than a, you know, a, a carbonated oh, pep diet Pepsi. I agree. I, 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 I used, to, ha- I used to be addicted to those and and ice cream sandwiches. And now it's like, what? I guess it's when I go into Lowe's or one of those big stores and they have the cabinet full of diet Pepsi and I'll I, have one guilty I have one. My, it's to my parents in Florida and I'd have yeah. my diet Coke. It'd be like, Julie and I would go, okay, this is it. I'm going to have my diet Coke. This is it. I'm with you. I love Kavita, the K-E-V-I-T-A. Those are really full of probiotics. And oh, those are delicious. They're the best. And they have like, you know, 
hardly any sugar, natural sugar, or I'll put like a squeeze of um, orange. Or I'm really into like bitters now when I'm, I go alcohol free, or just just on days when I want to drink a lot more water, I'll get the sparkling waters like the Lacroix, Lacroix, or mm-hmm. um, and then the Polar, and I'll add some like bitters or some like orange pieces or pieces of peach or cucumber. Just add mint, whatever you have, any herbs, basil in your water. I think, and it makes the water taste really good. People say I don't like water. How can you not like water? Yeah, how yeah. can you? My, my mother used to say that. She she hated, she'd say, I hate water. Like, really? Water is for fish. <laughs> <laughs> she would not drink water. And, you know, she was a beautiful, active, vibrant woman for the longest time. And then the last 10 years of her life were in bed. She was just, I, th- I swear, I think most of her problems were dehydration. I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of it, when we get older, too, when we see our skin not being as plump, it's because we're dehydrated. We're dehydrated. Drink a lot of water. By the so, way, if you what is that test? If you pinch your skin, the Turger skin and test, and hold, hold it up, what it's, is it called? It's called well, it's a Turger test. It's a Turger test. Turger is is the amount of um, moisture in your skin, or actually. La- Thank you, it's, nurse. It's, it's uh, actually how quickly, how well hydrated you are. So if yeah. you, and if you pull on your skin as you get older, you'll know that the lag time is longer. Okay. Full it's disclosure. Bump. I'm okay, holding good. my skin up now. How long should just it's... go? Let it go. Okay, it should go right. It should snap right back. And it yours did. did. Okay, yay! yay! Okay, good. Okay, important. Okay. I so, I wanted to say also I've been making sun tea. Oh, I love which sun is tea. really nice with this heat and sun. So that's an idea, and I want to put in a plug for my daughter Jess, who has created this lovely line of matcha mm-hmm. drinks. She's created matcha mixes that I, I really don't like green tea that much. The taste of it, it's really strong for me. I like matcha. But, but Jessie, Body Bliss by Jess, look her up online, has created this lovely matcha brew that has beetroot in it mm. and chai and different flavors. And you can Yum. drink it just plain with water. It's delicious. And she's got one called Coco Chai. And we've really been enjoying it. It's made the, the transition from ca- caffeine. My husband and I both are not drinking much caffeine at all anymore. I don't drink much caffeine. And just so enjoying these these teas. So And yeah. plus it's full of green tea, which is loaded. Matcha has got like, I think, 10 to oh. 20 times more antioxidants than regular green tea. Mm-hmm. So one cup of that a day is just going to really help protect you against all kinds of cancers. It's great. And and helps you meta- it's it I think it speeds up metabolism a bit, it helps people lose weight and it mm-hmm. also gives you that calm, collected alertness instead of jittery theanine. caffeine well, kinds L-theanine. of feeling. It's got L theanine in it, so it's calming. Yes, exactly. So the other thing in on this physical part, just not to forget about is exercise. I think mm-hmm. exercise, you and I both love to, but make sure that you're getting exercise at least every day. I mean, it Movement. Something. Moving your body. Walking is great. Swimming is fabulous. I love tennis and golf. I mean, those are fun. I love Pilates. There's a mm-hmm. lot. But pick your poison. You know, Pick your good poison. Dan- it could be dance. It could be Zumba. It could be anything. Just get up and jumping rope. You know, I mean, we've all, when we went through lockdown, we had to become extremely creative. The Peloton sales went through the roof, as we know. Mm-hmm. But there's so many ways to be um, active. And if you don't love to exercise, throw on a podcast, go for a walk. You soon will forget you're even walking. Yeah. Trust me, and great. walking is the easiest thing in the world it's, to do. One yeah, foot only, in front of each other. One pair of You don't have shoes, to do a thing. Good I, shoes. I personally go on, I do a walk every day and I don't take my cell phone because I, I, I don't want to listen to anything but the sounds of nature and just breathe deep and all of that. But I also want to talk about swimming for a moment as mm-hmm. I think the most perfect exercise of all because you're getting this, you know, it's like 
exercise to relax. You're swimming and you're getting a full body workout all the while your mind is relaxing. Plus it feels very spiritual to me to be in the water. I feel like, you know, our bodies are made up of so much water. If you, some yes. people don't love the water, but those of us who do know that we're weightless, first of all, we're not putting any stress on our joints. There's and they no physical stress. Blood, no pressure, blood pressure and heart rate go down at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for people who have hypertension. Yes. And absolutely. anxiety, you get in the water. You and can't you, feel anxious when you're swimming. You can't. Unless it's impossible. Unless you're drowning. And you can't have a hot flash either. <laughs> Think no, about it. No. You, I mean, how would a double whammy great best. deal. Swimming. I swim like three or four days a week and I just, I go in the morning. It's so beautiful. I, I will do anything to get my swim in. I recently, the local pool sort of shut their doors to, it was in the, with the university in my town and they shut their doors to the public. So sad. I went, I went a little bit crazy and found something online called Swimply. Which oh, yeah, is people interesting. Share their pools. Yeah, where yeah. people share their pools. Mm-hmm. And the only thing is, it's kind of spendy. The one I found in my area was $60 an hour. Oh, my well, God. I could, so I then found down the road in the neighboring town to me, they have a new aquatic center. Who there knew? You go. There you the go. necessities the mother invented. I found it. It's more beautiful than any club I've ever. Perfect. I've never belonged to that many clubs, but it's so. So nice, so worth the 20, it's it's a little bit of a drive, just 20 minutes, but you know, you know what? I try not to drive most days of the week. I think if you, my, you just have to say to yourself, it is my, it is my right to exercise and I need to do it and you find ways to do it. And if the swimming, you won't do it every day, obviously it's so far for you, but you might do it two or three days a week and you'll Two, gonna, three I, days a week and, value and the it. other days I don't use my car, but those days I've got to... If I can't walk to a swimming pool or bike to a swimming pool, I'm going to have to drive, but it's it's so okay. worth it. And, you know, it's also a mental exercise, too. I think so, it, too. It certainly, you know, it calms with the lowering of blood pressure and mm-hmm. heart rate and all of that. We know that cortisol stress hormones are also reduced, and so it's very it's very calming to the mind and the body. Your mind has to turn off at a certain point. You, could, at you can't think. I, at first, when I started to swim, I started counting my laps, and at a certain point, I don't even care, and my mind is just wandering hither and yon, and it's great when I get out the pool, I always feel so zen. And then I, I do also find that I can't, monkey mind goes, and that I, after a while, I can't think. Yeah, no. I can't count. I can't do anything. And somehow I always pop up right about an hour I've been swimming. Yeah, and it's, exactly. It's, just it's perfect. Highly recommended. I agree. So one of the things that I, I think we do need to mention when it comes to the physical part of this, and I'm sure you've heard this, Candice, as much as I have, some people have forgotten to take care of themselves, like their mammograms, yeah. their colonoscopies, getting their DEXA scans, maybe their pap smears. So don't forget, even though we've all been sort of at a, in, ground down a little bit from this pandemic, we have to remember to get back in there because we're seeing a rise in some diseases that didn't have to happen. We often neglect uh, our, our those health checkups that we forget to do sometimes, and and yet you know they're so important. They have different time frames, like wh- right. how. So tell us. Nurse McAvoy, about when, how often you're supposed to have a mammogram or a colonoscopy, okay, pap so, smears. So your first colonoscopy should be at age 50, unless you have a strong family history of colon cancer. And I think they're actually going to change the guidelines. What I've heard is they're actually going to drop it down to 45 because they've seen a fair amount of people now in their 40s getting colon cancer. So if you have any question about that, make sure you talk to your primary care person and go in. It's such a simple procedure. It's not a big deal. They put you to sleep, you wake up, it's over, and it does save people's lives. I knew a woman who was super healthy, 53 or 54 years old, went in and she had stage three colon cancer. I know two women like this, and these are women who are the pictures of health. And so 
you know, get in there, get your thing. And when they tell you to come in every three years, come in every three. If you have a clean bill of health, oftentimes it's 10 years later. But follow the guidelines because it's such a simple procedure. I think colon cancer is the number two cancer. In women. And so in it's, women, and it's, yeah. and it's so preventable and it's so bad when Audrey you get it. Audrey Hepburn died of colon I know, cancer. I know. And so I, don't think of colon cancer as just people that are overweight or no, out not of shape at all. or that have digestive issues. And, not if you're, necessarily. and if you're a person of color, we know that these all these cancers yeah. take people younger. So I would probably think that, I don't know the guidelines for people of color, but a, a black person should probably get them at probably 40 or 45, but definitely talk to your primary care. Now, in terms of mammograms, that's always controversial, but, but essentially yeah. over um, 40, you get your first mammogram, baseline mammogram, and then they say usually every two years until you're 50, and then, then it's like every one to two years. I know I'm at every year now. Just Get in there, and they'll tell you based on your results what your next one's going to be. If they see mm-hmm. a certain kind of um, density on your breast, they may recommend an MRI one time. They may do additional imaging, such as a breast ultrasound. And don't forget self-breast checks. We shouldn't yeah, ever stop exactly. those. In the, sh- in the shower. And then pap smears are going to be really, as we get older, um, the first pap smear should be at, at 21. And then as we get, we do pap smears plus the HPV. We're looking for the HPV virus after age 30. And those are going to every three to five years. Now, I feel comfortable with that if you're in a monogamous relationship. But if you have any history of HPV or you have multiple partners or you get divorced and you start dating again, I would get in there more frequently. You know, this, these are just guidelines. They're mm-hmm. not set. These are like the bare minimum guidelines. This is in a perfect world. With all the experience I have seeing young women and, and older women getting cervical cancer or, or dysplasia, I think it's okay to go in there and get your pap smears more frequently than not. Don't go 10 years. Do not go 10 years. Mm-hmm. And after age, uh, I think it's now 65, you don't need paps anymore So unless you've had abnormal paps. So that's the gold guideline. In terms of DEXA scan, that's really one of my big bugs, bugaboos, is that they don't recommend them until baseline until age 65. But we... As you, all you uh, listeners know, we talk about the risk of osteoporosis, and what happens before osteoporosis is something called osteopenia. It's the weakening of the bones, and you can have that as early as your 40s and 50s, and so if you wait till 65 to do your first DEXA scan, you may have full-blown osteoporosis, especially if you're somebody who hasn't gone on hormones. If you've gone on hormones... I've done testing on all kinds of people, blonde hair, blue-eyed, fair skin. Those are more likely to have osteopenia or osteoporosis. Very thin I, yeah, women. Exactly. Oh, smokers, mm-hmm. smokers, heavy drinking. I will, family people history. People been on birth control for a long time. Family history. I would definitely um, fight the insurance companies and have people get their DEXA skin at 50, right at menopause. Go get your DEXA skin. See where you're at. There's no harm in it. If you're good, great. If you're not good, then we've caught that's something. Because that's a silent disease. Totally silent. There's, there's nothing telling you that nothing. your bones are disintegrating. It's like blood pressure. Or, or it's, like, it's like blood it's pressure. It's a very gradual, slow the process. very silent Great diseases. Great book, by the way, um, by Lonnie Simpson, who, who wrote a, a, a guide to uh, osteoporosis. It's um, can't think of the exact title of it. Look up Lonnie Simpson. She's a well-known uh, chiropractor who's a real expert on mm. osteoporosis. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing the is... The no-nonsense book to bone health. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I think that, so that's, those are the things we want you to get out there and do. Um, and then let's talk about just in general, now that we can get, I mean, for the last six months, we've been able to see our providers again. Um, go get a massage, go for acupuncture, go for chiropractic care. Do the things that are good for your body long-term. Take care of your body. You only get one. You don't get to replace it. Every once in a while, we get a new organ, but those are pretty expensive and rare. 
maybe get a, some teeth implants. But in general, the, the body we get, got at birth is the body we live with the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. We don't take care of it. It's not going to hold up. And so, especially as we get older, we're talking to a lot of women in menopause who are, we're trying to age well here yes, and gracefully. Really well. And so how do we make, you know, how do we become more resilient? And how do, as, you, as you asked, how do we thrive instead of just survive? We have to, we can keep building. Yes. We don't have to break down. You know, our bones don't have to break down. We can keep building bone cells. And you can build like, muscle. They've and building muscle. 80-year-olds, they've given them little weights right. and they've done studies on them and they've actually built muscle after 80 years old. Another great book, Body for Life by um, Pamela Peek, who's oh, yeah, one of her. the brilliant MDs with National Institutes of Health. And she's really big on all the different resistance exercises and activities that keep women strong. Yeah, I It's mean, about being strong. I think 80 is the new 60, 60 is the new 40. Yeah. I mean, the way people are aging now who are optimally aging are really looking pretty good. I play tennis, I've told you this before, with women in their 80s, and they're amazing. They're out there, and they're playing, and I think these are my rock stars. These are the people I want to be. This is, this is one of the notes I had made when we were going to talk about this. I had put down how do we learn new and different ways to be active, be creative, be, and under be healthy, I had put, uh, and this is a, a thought from um, Women Rowing North by uh-huh. Mary Pipfer, and that is the most wonderful book, ladies. Got it. I mean, it, it is just so inspiring and helpful in every way, so supportive. As we and she says, chronological age is not as important as health. <laughs> That's totally true. Huge. It's I so mean, we true. we've talked about this concept before of health span. Yeah, because the you're number young of and years you, a, you live in health. Who cares how long young, you live if, if you're, you're not healthy and you have MS? You feel old. Yeah, of if course. If you're an older person and you have no health problems and you're fit, you feel young. Yes. It, she, she goes on to say, in the 21st century, we often consider ourselves middle-aged well into our 60s. I think that's true. And I certainly do. And until we suffer a major health crisis or the loss of someone we love, we continue to feel young. Absolutely. I have to say, during this pandemic, again, you know, just trying to be more known to, to you all. Who, who are we all? We all suffer from different anxieties and fears, especially during these weird times. But I, I've noticed in the last few years, because I've lost a lot of people, that I've been struck by this sense of impermanence. And everything is just, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I look around sometimes and I think this isn't going to last forever and I'm not going to have this life forever. And, and I'm realizing at first I was getting down, being, you know, feeling down about that. But then I started thinking, but this is a great way to remind yourself we can't take any of this for granted. And isn't that wonderful? It is you know, wonderful. You know, to be able to enjoy this gift of life uh, the older we get, to, to have, you know, to, to practice gratitude. I just saw the most amazing movie I saw in nine days. I don't know if you I've know about it. I've heard about it's that. Such, so talk about the gift of life, and I'll just briefly tell you all what, what it's about. It's about this, um, it's, it's a metaphysical book, movie. It was a Sundance movie. It's about a man who's in a place. You don't really know where he is, but he's in this place, and he, it's his job to interview nine souls and decide which of them are worthy. There's somebody who needs a soul on the planet, and he's interviewing each one of these souls to figure out which one of them will be a good fit and can value life and 
deserves life. And it makes you really look at life in such a wonderful, wonderful way. It's hmm. absolutely the most mm-hmm. astounding movie. Cinematography is great. The acting is superb. My daughter turned to me at the end of the movie and said, Mom, I so needed a movie like that right now. Thank you for taking me to this movie. And it was just, we walked out. And we Kate, both, did you go into a cinema? We went into Fox Theaters. We went to dinner Ooh, first. We, wow. did a, we did the what whole meal like? deal. It was great. I've been, to theater. I've been to theater a few times this year, but this was great. And it was just one of those movies when you talk about life and valuing life and and we're Candace and I are both you know getting older and I every day I wake up and I think okay my body parts are working I can do the things I love to do and I'm gonna pack it in until I can't pack it in because someday I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be 90 years old and I'm not gonna be able to do all the things that I think I can so or can do now and I just think that we have to really we have to grab life and live it to the fullest. Sometimes I feel like I'm already 90 because I've had to give up the skiing and I've had to give up the horseback riding, but you find other things. Oh, totally You, you know, the th- what's hard is the things that you were really good at if you have to give those up because of an injury or whatever. But then you say, hey, I got all that, got all this. those I years to do. I can go kayaking. Listen, now I, I can listen. do this, that, things I haven't done before. There's li- always something. I listened to Tony Hawk yesterday and he's the great skateboarder. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's no. pretty, oh, he is like the one. He is the man who put skateboarding on the map oh. he had all the video games he was on a podcast he's 53 now and he's still I mean skateboarding's a pretty dangerous little sport he's broken his pelvis he's been in the ER he's broken probably every bone in his body he's gradually letting go of it but you know he's not going to give it up either so it's kind of like all these people with these extreme sports think about them all these like you said Lindsay Lohan all the people who are just really you know they're great skiers and they they had to stop for a while. You just have you have to modify, and maybe you don't want to keep doing all these extreme things because you'll get arthritis. But um, oh yeah. But uh, okay, that. and I was going to say one more thing about just um, fun things right now. A lot of us haven't been able to travel as much as we normally travel. So I was going to say for personal, you know, take a walk in nature, do a staycation, think about where you can travel to. Like in Oregon, we have some wonderful parks we can go to for the day. We can do day trips, but. My, you turned me on to that show, Men in Kilts, and I also love Searching for Italy with um, Stanley Tucci, and there's always Rick Steves. You can live vicariously. You can travel by turning on your TV. You know, it's kind of fun. It's, uh, it's something. And it, you, know, you think it's out there. We may never get to all these places anyway. The world's a big place. And with Men in Kilts, you're not only living vicariously in, in, while you're traveling, but you're also looking at two luscious men oh that are, my God. They're are the pretty cutest. darn cute. They're pretty cute. <laughs> they one just, is older, one is younger, and they are definitely pleasant. pleasant and, my husband lo- and my husband loves it, too. He yeah, oh, my husband did, too. It's great. So yeah. let's move on to psychological. So we got, I think we covered physical pretty carefully. Um, so some yeah. of the things that were on that little shelf. Just, self- just a, a point before we move on from the physical. All these things we were talking about, really add up to prevention. Yeah. When course. you're talking about having all of these tests and doing these things, this isn't just, you know, a lark. This is about keep tra- keeping track of how how you're growing and aging and and you know, your health level so that you can prevent any of these dire, you know, not only the virus but well, maintain your immune wellness. system and we're talking about wellness. Talking wellness about, is staying well. We're maintaining is, wellness. Yeah, none of the things we've talked about it's have, the absence of disease. We weren't talking about uh, medications. We're not talking about those things. And I heard today that um, about sleep. This one guy was talking about sleep. He said, "You can't, you can't fight biology." 
when you try to, to skimp on sleep or try to skimp on nutrition, you're fighting biology. And when biology loses, you get diseased. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. Yeah, yeah. We have to really say to ourselves, what are we doing here? If we, if we know we're eating the bad foods for us all the time, we think we're going to get away. We might get away with that Diet Coke every now and then. Mm-hmm. We might get away with those French fries every now and then. But on a daily diet, we won't. Same thing with cigarettes or you know, too much alcohol or, or not enough exercise. Yeah, look at something and say, what is not in this? Right. But look at all the, the things that are out there that do us no good, that are nutritionally empty, that create you know havoc in our brains, that don't make us feel good, that are just you know depleting. And like when I did that five-day cleanse last week, I mean, I ate fruits and vegetables. I felt so, like everything I put in my mouth was like, this is so good for me. And I just, I woke up feeling differently. I felt great. I eat pretty, eat pretty well most of the time, but I have my days. That is kind of the height of self-care though. Yeah, feeding yourself well, taking time for sleep. Yeah. I mean, these things, that, making enough time for the sleep that yeah. we need. And was, seven hours is really minimal. It is minimal. Because less than that, 6.5, there are all kinds of issues with health, mm-hmm. um, illness, a- immune problems, appetite hormones get completely Depression. wired wrongly. So you're hungry all the time and you start to gain weight. Depression. Yeah, forget libido. You work out a lot of things in your sleep. And if you don't work those things out when you sleep, you work them out when you're awake. So I remember the old phrase, sleep on it. Exactly. It used to be easy to do that. I know. So getting back to um, psychological, I think that things is, what we were talking about before, I think the biggest word is connections. Mm -hmm. People have been so isolated during this pandemic. And in general, in life, if you're somebody who stays home by yourself all day long and and now you're not going to the office for work or maybe you've recently retired, like I did, you've got to make sure that you're making connections with people. And you, there may be people needier than you are. So reach out to them. Sometimes you're not the neediest person on the planet. You may think you are, but sometimes just a phone call to a friend, they're like, oh my God, thank you for thinking of me. Yes. Is there anything wrong with picking up the phone and just no. calling someone when you feel like it? I, I mean, I've noticed lately, it seems that you have to make an appointment to make an appointment to text to, you know, make everything has to be a plan when before we just, you know... It's nice to do things spontaneously. Well, we've done that. I feel like talking to you, so yeah. I'm going to call you oh, up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why, you know, I think we, we are, the social distancing has made us more socially distant. Well, we I have th- become more distant from each other. Well, I don't think physically that's so and much. sometimes mentally because we don't want to talk on the phone. Well, I think social We're, distancing happened before the pandemic. I think the phone, well, with the, the texting, yeah, and all that. Yeah, that's true. Think, it was happening. I think the social distancing. Now, I mean, that, but physical social distancing made became, us more aware that we need each other more. It's like, whoa, I really need people. Even like introverts mm-hmm. are like, I really need people. But then you hear about, I was just listening to one of our last episodes with Natalie, and she was saying, she, you know, there are friends she has that have said, I don't do small talk. I can't do small talk anymore. I you know, know social I mean. awkwardness, I think, has occurred because of this. And we've talked about this before. But, you know, that's something to really be aware of and make an effort to, to reconnect and not let yourself sink into that place of loneliness and and isolation. Some people just don't do small talk. That's okay. You don't have to, maybe you can just do big talk. Yeah. You know, big talk, get on the phone and say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. Um, I think that, you know, there's lots of good books out. We talked about this book I found. So I found this book for, I I have a friend that's going on a religious retreat and her husband asked me to uh, send her a little card or notes of encouragement. So I was at the bookstore and I was asking the woman about little books and she said this comfort book is just 
amazing. And so I picked it up and I thought, I bought it for her. And then I thought, I, thought, I bought five more copies. I sent one to ah, Candace. I gave yes. one to both my kids. I'm sitting here. We're both sitting here with I our I just think it is the coolest little book about just life. And it's just so, um, it's so affirmative. And this author once you get into it, it's little, little vignettes, little thoughts. And you don't have to read in any special order, but he has struggled with depression very severely. And mm. he talks about how it's like to, what it's like to come out of it. So I think anybody, the comfort book by Matt Haig, it's phenomenal. It's a pretty sweet book. It is. It's book. like anything. Okay, let's just see. I'm going to open the book to any page. Um, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Yeah, and then there's a wonderful, I, I was going to read this about psychological particularly. He put, wrote a piece called Somewhere, and he's talking about how hope is a beautiful thing that you find in art and sp- stories or move, music. And he was talking about how in the middle of one of the worst times in our history, 1939, the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow was written, one of oh. the most bittersweet yet hopeful songs yeah. in the world, written by Arlen um, and Harburg for The Wizard of Oz. Oz. He wrote the music in the middle of suffering of the world, and it's this most beautiful, they seen the, the horrors of world, First World War and bankruptcy and you know all these things, and they wrote this beautiful um, story of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You know, And you think, he says, to feel hope, you don't need to be in a great situation. You just need to understand that things will change. Hope is available for all. I think mm, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's like in the, in the darkest moments, sometimes we find hope. And, and another, on that note too, another um, statement from Rowing North, um, Women Rowing North, Mary Pipfer, I loved this. Without suffering, too much is taken for granted. With a transcendent response to suffering, nothing is too small to appreciate. We can enjoy every fresh apricot, blazing October day, and visit with a friend. We can be awake and whole. There's another great book about suffering is built into life. You know, we have to yeah. include it as part of the um, art of happiness. The, the Dalai Lama writes about suffering. It's not something that we can resist. It's something that we have to just experience. And when we do, we're more grateful for the life we have. And then on another note, I just want to say one more thing. It's so funny, but you and I read a lot. There's a wonderful little book. I know you've seen it before. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Oh, yeah. It's an English author, and he wrote this book, and it became this, like, overnight sensation. And it's at this little boy, and he's, and he's hanging out with this horse and this fox and this mole. And sort of a little prince feeling. Yeah, and kind he's of kind of this lonely little boy, and he's kind of struggling with his life and his friendship. He doesn't really know what. And we're talking about connections. I love this. He said, the little boy says to the horse, what is the bravest thing you've ever said, asked the boy. And the horse said, help. And then the boy said, when have you been at your strongest? And the horse said, when I have dared to show my weakness. Asking for help isn't giving up, said the horse. It's refusing to give up. Mm. Sometimes I worry Mm -hmm. you'll all realize I'm ordinary, said the boy. And the mole said, but love doesn't need you to be extraordinary. And I love that. It's kind of like we have to sort of like say to ourselves sometimes, I am who I am. You either love me as I am. I don't have to be extraordinary. We try to, you know, to be perfect. Little Miss Perfect, right? And we, and we can't. 
And this feeds right into another, I think we're in love with this little book. I know. But (laughs) this is another thing that I hit on when I read it. You are the goal. You don't have to continually improve yourself to love yourself. I love that. Love is, and we're talking about, you know, finding ways to be healthy and to improve our health, et cetera. Self-love is really important. But but self-love, it starts with self-love. It does. And love is not something you deserve only if you reach a goal. The world is a world of pressure, but don't let it squeeze your self-compassion. I love that. That's really important. Self-care, self-compassion. Well, especially nowadays. You were born worthy of love and you remain worthy of love. Be kind to yourself. Yeah, I think the world is so competitive now and we sometimes, um, we have to get off that wheel. And just say, you know, and love each other and just spend time with one another and just have fun and laugh. And that's a challenge right now. It is, but uh, connections. So so this is actually a great segue because our next spoke is emotional. Yeah. And I think I love this one on on the wheel. And I think you and I both love this. We both love our dogs. Hang with your pet. (laughs) You know, when you're feeling low, sit with your animal and just give them a hug. They love you unconditionally. And they're just so much fun. And they give you those endorphins. When you're sitting with my Rosie and she sits and she gives me a kiss and gives me those big brown eyes. I'm looking at her going... I feel like the most special person in the whole world. So if you don't have a pet, borrow a pet. <laughs> go, yeah, go to the pet store, go to the humane site, hold a cat. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to have a pet. Sometimes I comfort myself with the idea that if I, I will never be truly alone in the world because I will always have a pet. We come home and, and, I, and they're, so ha- they're just so happy to see you. It makes you feel like even if you've had a bad day, you walk and you're kind of in a bad mood. Your pet doesn't deserve your anger or your angst. It's like it's hard to feel angry at your pet. It is (laughs) really right. Yeah, I have my the dog that we have left is we've had several dogs, but the one we have now is actually my daughter's dog, Riley, and he (laughs) lives the life of Riley. You love Riley. I love Riley. He gets so much attention from the ladies, and it's just kind of funny because he grew up in the dorms at U of O, so he slept with all the girls, and he loves ladies. So I get a kick. You know, not only do they give us comfort, they make us laugh. They do they make really, us laugh. They make us I mean, laugh. I think I have more pictures of my dog than I do of my husband. We laugh about that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I think that one of the things, and here we are, we're laughing. We're having fun with one of That also, when you're laughing, you can't be anxious. That's another thing that's been shown psychologically. So watch a rom-com. Get some great, fun, old shows. You know, pull them out and, and sit, sit down with a friend or a loved one and watch a funny show. Those are great. Like Grace and Frankie. What a great show that is to watch. And Season just, seven's on now. So, it's just so the fun. The last one. Or The Shits Creek. I mean, those are yeah. like these great shows just to sit with. And Ted Lasso, of course, I'm binging that. Ah. Because, oh my God, these are the great shows, and just have fun with them. They're kind, they're good, and we have to get away from the news. The news is so hard right now. Every day you wake up and think, oh, my God, can it get any worse? There's a great uh, phrase that I, that I came upon recently called, it was, it was um, collective effervescence. Mm. The idea that we are not, we don't really as easily experience joy when we're on our own. I mean, we can, but the, the kind of deep joy where you're laughing out loud or, you know, having a blast, just really having fun, requires other people. It does. And that's a challenge right now. You know, when you're talking about being isolated, get out, and we're talking about connection, that's a challenge right now because we've got a revisitation of this virus and a different variant. People don't know quite how to get together, but we still... We can, especially those of us who are vaccinated. I think we can safely get together with people that are vaccinated. Maybe keep your distance, but get mm-hmm. together with people and, you know, go go do some. Listen to music as you 
were saying, you went to a movie with your daughter. Um, what is it that, you know, get with people and have a good time? Let, yeah. You're having a party this weekend um, for your retirement, finally. Yeah, yeah finally. There's going to be music. It's going to be outside. We're all going to have, we're going to dance. We're going to laugh. And we're going to just feel a whole lot more alive, probably, than we have been feeling. And, and I also listen to, oh, I know Candace, I, I didn't used to listen to podcasts when I walk, but I do because I walk a lot and do a lot of different things. But I listen to that pod, podcast called Smartless. I think yeah. I've talked about this before with Jason uh-huh. Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. And I am literally walking down the street laughing. And I think people must think I'm like one of those people like, oh, she's a little bit off her rocker. But it's so much fun to listen to these people talk and then share their live stories and to, to laugh Sometimes it requires listening to something. You're Laugh right. out loud. Laugh out loud. I'm just that's, having the that, best time. That clears so much stress and angst out of the system. I just, by the way, driving in today, listened to the interview. I had never listened to it yet, but I listened to Smartless, interview, an interview with Tina Fey. Great, right? So that was... I mean, you just laugh. What a talented right? person. I mean, they were all just feeding off each other, and it was... It's just I fun. laughed a lot, all it's, to myself. Right, oh. and it's, it's, I think, so those are the kind of things emotionally we need to do. I think the other thing is, I love the idea of um, retail therapy. Every now and then, go out, you buy yourself a beautiful scarf, a beautiful hat, look in the mirror and say, you mm-hmm. are gorgeous. I mean, it's mm-hmm. okay to say that. Be happy with who you are, and 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 also, you know, indulge every now and then. You know, we we treat yourself. Get a new pair of yeah. shoes. It's so and that, fun. That goes back to the uh, the pedicure, the acupuncture, the Absolutely. massage. That's all connecting too. That's connecting with other people that can put their hands on you and help and help to just just comfort in general. We people are we're social animals. We need each other. I wanted to read this. Um, we were talking about being happy. Interestingly, a 2016 University of California, San Diego study found, this is pretty recent, that as people age, they report higher levels of overall satisfaction, happiness, and well-being, and lower levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. I think we've heard this before, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's interesting that the older the person, supposedly the better her mental health. Um, Women's happiness ratings are consistently higher than men's. And, connections, um, connections, connections. Yeah. And a recent census data from the UK finds that the happiest people are women aged 65 to 79. So, again, you know, that's the sort of do we really, maybe we just don't care so much about impressing others and whatever it was that we cared too much about before just kind of starts to fall away. And, I also and think again, we, women do get with their friends more and create more emotional connections. I think we figure it out. I think what happens is all the years of, of life that you're trying to figure it out, raising your kids if you have children or, you know, pursuing careers goals, whatever it is that consumes you when you're young, you sort of let that go as you get older and you realize you only got so much life on this planet left and you're going to figure out what makes you happy and do those things. I mean, volunteer work, that's the other thing. We haven't even talked about that. I do a ton of volunteer work. I know you do, Candace, as well, help people, other people who are not as fortunate as you are. Those are things that are really fun, too, because knowing that you're helping out with the planet or helping out with an organization. That's one of the ways to become as happy as you'll ever be, helping someone else be happy. Absolutely. And I find that in the data, too. We're we're planning a big event in our town. Um, We're part that we live close to is turning 100 years old. I'm in charge of this big party that we're going to have in October. And I have this great board I'm working with. And, and we all feed off each other. And, you know, these are all retired people. Most of them are anyway. And it's just a fun group of getting in, get that civic involvement is 
I think that makes you happy as well. Mm-hmm. We can look around and say like Portland's had a really, really tough couple of years here and it is, it's, it's going through. And we heard about people say, oh, how's Portland doing? And it's got a lot of garbage and homeless people and it's very sad. But people are working really hard together to make a difference. And that makes you not feel so hopeless and helpless. There's a natural resilience. And I see yeah. it in Portland. People are, you know, doing all kinds of volunteer things to clean up, to help people find, help the homeless find mm-hmm. housing. I was just listening to something about the Oregon Community Foundation, which has doubled its efforts this past year. And they're just really finding, you know, on every level. So, yeah, I mean, it's this is our community. This yeah. is our, you know, this is the common good. We do this for not only ourselves, but for each other, because it's the community we want to live in. Exactly. And that's such an important part of, of being happy and, and being well and, you know, staying well. Yeah. So I think we're going to... Um we're going to end this episode now and come back in another day and another day and, and come back to some of the other things we talked about. But we definitely want to say thank you for listening. We certainly have covered a lot of ground today. And um, we're going to come back and talk about the personal, professional, and spiritual part of wellness as well. But until we see you again, I uh, just want to sign off and try to Try some of those new things. Get that book for sure, The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. And the other one that's fun is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackery. And then you had The Rowing North. Oh, Rowing North by Mary Pipfer is a must-read. She she also wrote Reviving Ophelia, but I think The Rowing North, Women Rowing North. And then, of course, never forget... um, uh, Ann Mara Lindbergh's Gift from the Sea. Right. If you haven't read that, they, these are inspirational. They'll, they keep you going. They are sure do. Until we see you again, stay right. balanced, stay well, take care of yourselves. Okay, we're back in the studio, and we're going to resume our previous topic of August as being, uh, and we may be into September by the time you hear this, but that's okay because wellness is always a top Wellness issue. is every month, but it's August month. is happily National Wellness Month, and we went through three, We, we uh, Kyle came up with a great tool, the self-care wheel that she found, and it had six, prom- six spokes. Yep, six spokes. Physical, psychological, emotional. How far did we get on part one? We I got think the first uh, three. We, yes, and now we have to go into the spiritual, the personal, and the professional, but we covered a lot of ground in the last one. So I think we should start with spiritual. I think that's something that's really important for a lot of us. You know, it it doesn't matter whether you have a a belief system in God or whether you go to church. Spirituality is really uh, all about that soulfulness in your life and and what's beyond what we see, Mm. I, I think spirituality is, don't you think? I, yeah, I think it's 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 beyond self too. Right. I mean, we're talking about self care and all of that, but being but cultivating your spiritual side, mm-hmm. I think is a challenge. You know, it, it, I think I think it's a challenge for a lot of people. I'm one of those people because I don't have an organized religion and didn't grow up that way. Somehow, I've equated religion with spirituality, and I don't think they're the same thing mm-mm, mm-mm. at all. Um, but I think in this time of life and this, you know, trying to be a, a, one of the young elders, um, I, I see it becoming more important, as I was mentioning in, a, in our previous episode, this, you know, as you feel young until you start to lose people in mm-hmm. your life and until something happens to you or until you really experience something deeply profound that changes your world forever. And then you start looking around and realizing, hey, this isn't going to last forever. This mm-hmm. is you know, and I need, what do I hang on to here? Who, so that's where I start thinking about where does, where, 
where is that place that you can find comfort mm-hmm. in, the, in the world? Where is that corner in your mind, in your, in your psyche that brings you that kind of comfort? I think maybe we should talk about some of the ways that people find that. I lo- and I love the, what you said. I love the fact that you said you consider yourself a young elder. And I love that expression because <laughs> none of us want to be the elders, but we look, we look back in, like, in history and time, you know, I think of the Native Americans, I think of like the Asian cultures, they really do revere their older people. And, our, and we've talked about this before, and I know Mary Pfeiffer talks about in her book, Rowing, Women Rowing North, there's a lot of wisdom that we gain as we get older. And I think if we make it to this age and, we, and we're healthy, we have time to think about that spirituality and what's going to happen, whatever belief system we have. There's, hopefully we're going we're gonna to leave some kind of a legacy or something that people, people are going to remember us by when we leave this planet. Um, but I do think that um, some of the things that are really important to do are getting into nature. I mean, we have really seen in this last couple of years, especially with the global climate change that we're seeing now, how much people do revere nature um, and, and the trees and the oceans. And we're talking about things and how valuable they are. Living in the Northwest, we can go on a hike anywhere, any day. But getting out there, getting among the trees, getting among the flowers, the birds, the animals, along the ocean, whatever. But get out there. It, it's bigger than us. It's, it's a sacred space. It is a sacred space. It is our sacred space. And we, you know, it, it's all, it's just here for us. It's a to- And yet there's something called outdoor deprivation disorder. Mm-hmm. People being inside all the time, working inside, indoors, seven, eight hours a day, working out inside. I know. Um, not to mention the D deficiency that comes from, you know, lack of sunlight and all of that when we're always in, indoors. So... I think, you know, especially with climate change happening and we have a big report out this week from the United Nations that's telling us that we are, you know, we need to make some changes. We've known this. How long have we been talking about this? But but now we're talking about floods and and extreme weather and we've got fires here in the Pacific Northwest. We had 112, 115 degrees uh, uh, last June. This is insane. So we all... We more more reason than ever to value and cherish mm-hmm, what we have. this this planet that we have. And when you get outside, to just be, you know, appreciative of. You look at a tree and you look at the bark. You I know, love you could that. just. It's like being high all the time. Just looking at you can get into the textures of nature, the sounds of it, and it's that it's so finite. It's not can't take that for granted either. No, I remember hearing the astronauts who had gone into space and had looked, I think it was um, the first time, like Neil yeah. Armstrong talking about what his impressions were looking back at Earth and realizing how special it is hanging in the sky and we have to sort of value it. And so I think, like you said, Candice, I know for myself, you and I have both belonged to gyms over the years, but it's always been sort of an uneasy relationship. Mm. I love going there. I love working out. I love swimming. I love doing the things, but I really do love walking outside more than anything in the whole world. I think so too. And being outside yeah. and being, like you said, listening to the birds and feeling the, the wind on your face and and just, you know, seeing people as you walk by, hear the crunch of the leaves underneath your feet, whatever. And the changes in nature, if you do the same walk every single day, there are, there are changes. incremental changes. Sometimes I go different, I go one direction mm-hmm. or the other because everything looks different. Your perspective is different, however you approach it. But well, there's walk- always the most, the just subtle, beautiful changes well, well, in every bit of nature. I have the same walk on the beach almost every time I go down there. And it's, <laughs> it, the, uh, the ocean never is the same 
two days in no, a row ever. No, the no. dunes are different. The birds are different. It's it's like you said the subtlety. So taking a walk in nature is very spiritual, and you realize how small we are in comparison. I think that's the mm-hmm. the, the spiritual part of those kind of walks is that the infinitesimal size of the world is so big, and mm-hmm. we're such a small part of it, and it puts so it in perspective. Connecting with the universe, as in the natural world. There's also connecting with your inner world Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. your, you know, I think with spirituality, it also has to do with tapping into your own creativity. Mm -hmm. Those, those creative juices that we have that are sometimes not flowing, you know, um, actually Kenneth Stevenson is an MD who's done some amazing work with women over the years. She's a, she's a doctor who's specialized in women's health and, um, she always, she has a big part of her approach to helping women gain balance is to get them making things. Mm-hmm. I know you knit mm-hmm. and you sew and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and you paint and I, I take phot- photography. Yeah. Those, and anybody who weaves or spins or gardens, anything like that, that that's, there's a cr- quilting, there's cooking. a creativity. Cooking Painting. is great. Cooking is fabulous. And Therapy, so You too. could be making cards for people. Whatever it is, but finding writing. How about writing? You're a writer. My husband's a writer. Writing is an important thing mm-hmm. to do. Keeping a journal. Those are all. I think journaling. About, I think is just one of those unsung. I, I, I know. Well, I think the people are singing about it more, but it's just one of those. So, I mean, Kenna in her book Awakening Athena, um, and look, we're going to be interviewing her September 21st. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is going to be a fantastic interview, ladies. If you make sure to hear that one. But one of the things she says in here about crafting and creative, mm-hmm. being creative, she says, as I worked with my patients, I've realized that handwork often provides a diversion from physical complaints. In other cases, self-expression through art brings forth a transforming self-discovery. Mm-hmm. So transformation within is a very spiritual experience, I think, too. You know, it moves you from one place to another. Many of the women that she's, she's talking about were, that were unable to articulate their deepest feelings found that in crafting, their emotions poured out through their hands into an art form. Oh, I love that. I <laughs> noticed that those who completed a project gained a sense of mastery and competence, even if they felt overwhelmed by other aspects of daily living. And have you ever sat down, I know for myself, I don't consider myself a natural writer, but I'll sit down to write something, and all these words will come pouring out of me, and I didn't, right. even, I didn't even know they were there. And I put them down, and I think, oh, I guess I had a lot of thoughts I didn't even know I had. So I think that's why I'm not a journalist journaler, but I think people who do journal find it to be very valuable. Well, remember the experience you had during the pandemic this past year writing, you wrote a poem. You've never written a poem before, but it just came from... Right. your heart and it was beautiful I, th- I feel like in, in, so I think those are really important things to do the other thing I loved I listened to a, um, Indira Gandhi's uh, grandson came to Portland about oh, five or six years ago and I got oh, to hear him yeah. speak and he was talking about I've, I've never been a certain person who sits down and meditates but I meditate when I walk or I swim and he talked mm-hmm. about his grandfather Indira Gandhi um, walking and meditating so I think you can actually do that where you, he would actually um, have like a little 20 minute sort of like a, a place that he walked in, a, a circle, whatever it might be. It might be a labyrinth or maze. And you just keep walking that same thing over and over again so you don't have to think about it. It's like swimming in a pool. You don't have to think anymore. Mm-hmm. And he would just meditate when he walked because he was a busy man. He didn't have time to meditate. So he meditated on the go. 
perfect. Yeah. So a lot of people say, I don't have time to meditate. I fall asleep. So if you're walking, you won't fall asleep. I think there are other ways. Yeah, a lot of people say they can't, they can't get into a state of meditation. I do think it takes maybe doing a course where you get a mantra and you have to practice it and, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it takes time. But I think there are other ways exactly. to, get to, to get into that state, like, like the really? idea of you know, just sinking into the water where you become the, the inner whale woman emerges. Or yoga. Pa- painting, you know, sketching, great. yoga, the deep, deep breathing, breathing that mm-hmm. goes with yoga. I've been taking some yoga classes recently now, you know, talking again about who we are and what we do. That's a new thing for me. Mm-hmm. I never did yoga. I love yoga. And partly I didn't because I've had such knee problems from, you know, from my sports of before. And I thought, I can't bend that way. I can't, you know, it's going to hurt too much, but there's a big difference between pain and soreness. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a big difference between how you can move your body in ways that just push the envelope a little bit. So fine. So suddenly you find you're loosening up instead mm-hmm. of getting tighter and, you know, just the deep breathing. Um, Andrew Weil has a great breathing exercise, the four, seven, eight breath where you, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've talked about that before. Great for when you can't fall back to sleep yep, again. Yep. Inhaling to the count of four, holding to the count of seven, and releasing to the count of eight. I have found that totally just just so, so invaluable. And that's a lot of times what they tell you to do in yoga is, is, is a longer exhale than an inhale. Mm-hmm. Holding on to that. Yeah, and people who do Tai Chi, same thing. They move super slowly. Everything is kind of like down, down a notch, and you have to be totally concentrating on that. That's ridding your mind of all those extraneous thoughts as well. Tai That's Chi is also awesome because it's you're strengthening your core. Mm-hmm. And when you're working on your core, you find that your whole body starts to you know, kind of release in a way where you find that your posture is better, your Absolutely. shoulders are back, you're breathing better, the world is opens up for you. You're making me sit up straight or just yeah. listening to posture you. is such an important thing. It I notice so many people that are older that have terrible I posture. Know. It's like they've given hump. up. I know. They, I mean, Pilates life is, is just great. beating them down. I think it's so important to stand in front of a mirror and, you know, just pull like a string up from the top of your head and well, my, my Pilates teacher is always saying, tuck your tailbone, put your collarbones up. Yeah. You know, it's all these things. And it's like, if you, like you said, when, you, I, when I walk down the street and I catch myself in, the, in, in a window, I go, okay, where's my head jutting forward? Is my back, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. And I think the other things I love to think about for spirituality is finding a spiritual community, if you can find one, because sometimes it's lonely out there. You might find a group of people that are like-minded with you. Prayer is, uh, uh, is something that many people, of course, do. Finding a spiritual mentor, somebody who mm-hmm. has, like I know I've, we had this wonderful minister that I took you to that church and loved her. She was just full of wisdom and just so fun to listen to her. She did all the, read all the books and she would impart her wisdom to us. Mm-hmm. That could be so wonderful. And I think if the, if the word spiritual seems daunting, it, it's also the people that inspire you. Yeah. That, you know, being inspired uh, by music or art or what someone someone's thoughts or ideas is also a very spiritual experience because it's just beyond the everyday yeah the the you know all that we have to do every day just to get muddled through life well think about like my husband and I talk about this a lot about pieces of music that absolutely floor you have mm-hmm. spirituality them he loves mm-hmm. the and I do too the barber's adagio for strings if you haven't heard that one it's just like 
it just stops you in your tracks and you just you the music just builds and just it transforms you so music is like that Lorena McKenrick if oh, anyone Lorena her fabulous. voice I was just listening to it on the way in it just t- transports wonderful. you yeah, I, very, my car ethereal. was driving itself she's ethereal very ethereal. Oh, she's amazing beautiful. and then dancing is like that you know my, my lose swing, yourself my niece does that yeah. ecstatic dance or you just put music on and dance around your house it's all these things are connected It'll let your body sort of flow let the muse flow flow through you and just be connected to your your soul your, your yeah, spirit let yourself fall in love with life it's, i fell in love with my husband going dancing with him oh. he was he, he was such a good dancer that everybody cleared the floor and he was dancing by himself cuz i was too embarrassed to dance with them but oh, really? that kind of well for him he was just like whoa okay <laughs> that's fun but but i mean it was just sort of you know it was a falling in love experience just Dancing around dance great. and music Dancing is great. Yeah. And then I think the other thing about spirituality, uh, that it was interesting, when we were playing with this uh, whole concept of this wellness, I found this wheel called the self-care wheel, and one of their, on their spokes of spirituality talked about fostering self-forgiveness. I think sometimes as we get older, we may have some regrets about things about our lives. I mean, all of us do. Anybody who reflects on their lives may think, God, I wish I would have done that better. Well, we had to give ourselves some space. We had to say, you know... We only we knew what we knew then. We were in a phase of our life that maybe didn't we weren't as generous or kind, and and we have to f- say to ourselves if we could do it all over again, maybe I wouldn't have done it. But but forgive yourself. I mean, it's, at it's least important. for the, the process that you went through at the time, you reasoned it out. Most likely, you yes. considered your options and you made that choice. And That's to it. to bring in bitterness or regret doesn't change a whit. Mm-hmm. The moving finger writes, and yeah, you know what, what is it? Not all your piety nor your wit will change a, a single word. Yeah, so, so I think it's important. We to, have to accept. Yeah, I think that. we have to accept, and I think being kind to one another and non-judgmental is also really important. I think it's important to say, you know, we're all we're all trying our best. Yeah, and, you that's, know, and it, that's the best we can do. Now, one area we haven't talked about, I think, that can also be can it can be spiritual, it can be emotional, it can be physical, and that's our sexual lives. Yes. And one of the things you said here in your notes was many of us have let this fall off. Mm-hmm. Are we taking time for intimacy, romantic dates, quiet times together? Are we? Not always. We can kind of get into ruts and we can forget about that. And I think, you know, it's that whole Maslow hierarchy of needs. Is the whole meeting your um, basic needs first, and then those other needs come later on. But mm-hmm. we've all been trying to hunker down. We've all been worried about our physical health with COVID and out there, keeping ourselves safe. Some people have been extremely on that bandwagon in that way, being afraid to go outside. And then you, sex might be the last thing you think of. And we're not feeling exactly sexy. No. You know, we've been wearing the same. Well, <laughs> I mean, I hope that's changing now, but we we haven't been you know, exactly getting up and getting out and getting dressed and putting on makeup and we're with the, maybe we're stuck in a small apartment with the same person day after day. Oh, you again. Yeah. Oh, I mean, how are. romantic is that? So exactly. my daughter, Jess, has a great, uh, she has a great thing she and her husband do. They have a date night and they create a theme. So it's Caribbean night or it's Italian night. So they put effort into making the foods that they, you know, that would be part of that and putting on the music and, you know, having the kind of, um, they even dress up. 
They dress. They get dressed in different outfits and just play it all out. That's perfect. Yeah, I love that. Uh huh. And also, Jess, another thing, she's a health coach, so I'm I'm learning from her so much. She also takes herself off on weekends, and she's you know just in her mid thirties, and she'll she's a young woman. You'd think she's with people all the time, but she's not. She values her alone time, mm. and I think that's something that we you know we need to to recharge recharge our batteries, have time alone. You know, what was I reading the other day? about this woman who said she, I think it was from the Modern Love uh, column in the New York Times, and this woman was saying, you would think that after renovating a beautiful house with my husband that I would want to live in it forever, but actually I decided I wanted to leave him and leave the house, and I moved into a horrible flat somewhere in some other state and was blissfully happy because I didn't have to, in this case, this woman needed to just have her own thoughts she needed to be able to think straight without always having to consider what someone else, you know, that this is kind of a, a litany of women who've been maybe married for, I've been married for 41 years. Before You've been married too. the same September, amount. I mean, yeah. there's something to be said for, you know, that, you know, where are you after 41 years of marriage? Where is your, you know, what is your sex life like? Is it about, you know, it's not about reproduction anymore at Mm-mm. this point in time. It's about intimacy and, there's, and connection. Th- it's about intimacy and connection, but there are so many ways that over 40 years of a successful marriage that you find that exactly. outside of sexuality as well. So I don't, I don't think people should pressure themselves Mm-mm. too much no. about how much sex do we have this week, this month. No. You know, plenty this of people year. make jokes about, yeah, yeah. I'd rather delete emails or yeah i, think <laughs> I you know be, maybe next christmas it sort could of just thing. be holding hands and walking together and just, just sitting down touching watching being, a movie together and just being and not and just being happy in each other's company can be enough sometimes i mean there's been i know all of us who talk married, about comfort all of us who had long-term marriages know those tough years where you barely even talking to each other so having a, a <laughs> uh, having a, a good time together and, and not arguing and and, and reaching a, a, a new level of comfort and and ease. And communication. And ease. And ease. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and interestingly, as we age, when we are empty nesters, how our relationship morphs totally when the children changes. are gone and the work and we're not, and now maybe we're not working full time. Yes. And we have all this, you know, we have much more time on our hands and different ways to spend it. And we might find that part of that time needs to be on our own, that we just want yeah. to cultivate things, cultivate stillness. Yeah. I agree. I think that sounds great. I think that's so, I think the spirituality part is. I think we covered it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it, it just, all of these things meld they into all, each other. They all They do. feed and nourish everything we're talking about. Yeah, so the next one is, um, it's interesting how they put the spoke and they kind of, I think personal, again, like you said, personal is going to have a lot of similarities with the other ones, but it's also like spending time with friends. Go out for a cup of coffee. Cultural you know, effervescence. Again, have a happy <laughs> hour. Go wine tasting. Um Learn who you are. Stay off of social media for a while. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I hear so many people saying these days that they're so tired of Facebook and Instagram. They feel this pressure to perform or they feel like that fear of missing out. You go online, oh, everybody's having a party and not invited or, God, they're doing that again. They're going to this trip, that trip. What about me? And I think if you get away from that social media stuff, that can be really valuable for our personal selves. I think that should be a practice. I do too. It it really should be a, a practice where we take time away. If it's, you know, we all say turn off your phone, but find the time that you can turn off your phone. Usually before bed, if you want to sleep well, that's a good time to start or mm-hmm. put it in a different room. I lost my phone the other day. 
for approximately half a day, and I was out of sorts. Of course. All day long. I couldn't check my texts. <laughs> I couldn't check it, because then I, and I was out doing things, and I just, I just was really, Candice, look at yourself. I know. You are a fucking addict. Exactly. And this I, is the unbelievable. Cal- my calendar's on And there. then when I finally my found alarm. my phone, there was no message on it, and nobody was trying <laughs> nobody to get to me. Cared. What the nobody, hell? Nobody likes you. You know? <laughs> And then I thought, oh no, yeah. But it was really a lesson, and so totally. because and so I I have decided. You're not that important. <laughs> and 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 guess what? I don't need to take myself that seriously. I know it's the it's, truth. It's just re, it, you know I have long ago turned off all the pings and the noises and all that stuff that alerts you to messaging. So I think that's a good place to start. But I found it it was a real wake up call to notice how out of sorts I felt the other day. Well, I I actually had a phone and I'm working on that. I had that a phone dialing. Puerto Rico a few years ago and I remember thinking okay I didn't have I couldn't I couldn't get an Uber I couldn't get a Lyft yeah I didn't have my calendar I didn't have a I wasn't wearing a watch at the time so I didn't have a watch <laughs> I didn't have the oh, ability to contact dear. anybody and I didn't have maps and I thought oh my god have we gotten to the point where we are so we live without all of this before and somehow we were fine. And Our, and we are the last generation to do this. Anybody who's listening, if you were born from 1944 till now, you know the the world of before. About, like 1980, probably. Yeah. Like my son was 80, 85, and he he's the generation. It was about 85, yeah. yeah that's he, when, well, millennials, yeah. And so I think that getting away from that, putting it down, or at least getting away from social media. I mean, our phones, we kind of need them. A lot of people have small kids. They need to be connected. I get that. But again, social media, can you can walk away from that for a while. And so many people have for many, many reasons. Feeling less than. Yeah, that less somehow, than. you know, everyone else is doing more than you are. Everyone else is more beautiful or more or smarter My or daughter thinner. My daughter said that to me yesterday. She said, Mom, I, I look at it and I feel, I, I walk away and I feel bad about myself. And I think, why am I feeling bad? I felt fine before I turned this on. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. No. So, but um, I think we all know this, but again, it's a practice. You have to practice. practice these things. Don't just say it, do it. Do it. Turn on. You know, awareness, it, it, turning awareness into action and into, you know, I, I was on a podcast recently and the woman used the term in attunement. And I thought that was a really good being tuned in, mm-hmm. being attuned mm. to the different signals in our life that are out there that give us messages that we should be aware of and alert to besides what's on that cell phone. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I'm smart hyper aware of my phone and what it's doing to me, I feel like I'm doing a lot of external motivation. It's motivating me externally as I'm, I've lost my inner voice sometimes being around my phone too much or with computer and I turn it on I'm like I'm distracted I'm distracted by what's on that as opposed to letting things come to me naturally and I notice that about myself and so I kind of say okay Kyle put that down I'm a words with friends addict I love playing words with friends so I play that first thing in the morning is that crazy yeah it wakes up my mind it's fun it's fun but then I have to say that's it I can only do that for like 20 minutes a day that's it and then I have to walk away but and then of course talking about that getting off social media a lot of it is news And we talked about, you know, not watching the news as much. This is another thing that I've noticed over time in my own life. We have stopped. My husband and I made a pact. We are not going to watch news during the week. So now we only, we do some reading. We may read aloud. Then we watch a favorite show and no news until Friday night. We watch Brooks and Capehart. Now I'm telling you my political view. But um, Friday night we watch a review of the news. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday night Fareed Zachariah on... CNN does a great global overview. And we find that's enough. And then there are things, you know, obviously I read the paper on Sunday cover to cover and 
things filter through my phone. But I do think that when there's too much news, which is always, it's always the negative, horrible stuff that's happening that makes the headlines. And then you walk away feeling malcontent, discontent, upset, dismayed. I think that's uh, a healthy, I think it's a health, you have a healthy approach. So many people I know have said, I don't even listen to the news anymore. And I don't think that's healthy either. No, I we think, can't bury our heads in the no, sand. We have to cultivate no. awareness, but not to the extent that it's ruling our lives. But again, you're talking about balance. And I think mm-hmm. balance is the key. You know, it's kind of like, I think for a while that we were all so obsessed with what was going on with the news. It was like every second you turned on the TV, there was some craziness happening in the world. And, and those things are still happening, but not quite as much. So spending time with your family. So put the phone away. Do some real things. Spend time with real people. I have this fun little game in my purse that someone gave me. It's a bunch of cards that's so much fun at dinner. Do you remember when was the most, you know, what was the most amazing moment of your life in high school? What was the most embarrassing moment? You're just getting, the other day, my husband and I played that for a minute, and I learned something new about him that after all these years I didn't know. Um, You know, just funny stuff, that kind of conversation, cultivating conversation. Yeah, I have a funny thing I do whenever my friends, I have a group of friends I get together with. There's five, the six of us, we call our birthday group. We'll go away and every once in a while, I'll like think of something really silly to start talking about. Like one of them Uh was like, what was your favorite Crayola crayon color when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. box of 64. And then we start cracking up and we start lifting. Cerise. Oh, you like, see, Cerise was nice. (laughs) I see. (laughs) And so it's just fun to, like you said, those sort of random thoughts and and reminiscing and just getting back to the the basics, the simple things in life that made you happy. Like Mm -hmm. what the funny TV shows that we watched when we were kids, who was your favorite TV character, whatever it was, or books that you read when you were a kid. These are fun things to talk about. And they're also, you know, one of the big focuses on this National Wellness Month is stress management. Mm-hmm. And all of these things we talk, we're talking about are stress managing. They reduce yeah. superfluous, well, unnecessary stress. Laughing makes you Things that make stress. us feel good, that bring us great memories, the reminiscences, getting with friends, and, and you know all of that is has been so missed. I think we've had a real lost year. I think we have, so too. So getting back together is, is so huge. Like you were saying here, yeah, the... Well, well, I think I like f- this. Send someone a love letter. Yeah, Kyle's right. husband wrote a fantastic piece. What was it called? It was about when we went. To, I forget the name of the piece, but it was about. I can't remember the name of the piece right now. It's it about was, when you went to Paris. It's about when we went to. It's Paris. a love letter to you. It's beautiful. It really is. It really is a beautiful piece. And he what wrote, was the magazine so people? He can wrote read it. it in. Um, oh God, what magazine was that in? He's been in so many. I can't think of what it was in. Cirque. Was, was it in Cirque? Cirque? It could I think have been so. Cirque. Yeah, Joe McAvoy. C I R Q U E. Yeah. And he just sort of reminisced about our trip and how um, he never wanted to go to Paris, but I was the muse that forced him to go and how it changed him. And it was really a sweet letter because we go back a long way. We'll be married 42 years this September. So it was fun. And um, yeah, it was very generous of him to write that. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel really good. So I think that's the thing you can write. I mean, I write people cards Different all the time. Different ways to show your love, right? Yeah. I mean, lo- lo- you know, love language. What is your mm-hmm. love language? It could be writing. It could be hugging. It could be writing somebody a song, cooking a meal for them. Or singing someone a song. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, but I like also the um, thing about um, learn, like learn a new language, learn a new instrument, do something personal that's fun for you. We all have little personal goals that we may have forgotten about in this whole time period, again, getting back to that survival mode, we all sort of hunkered down, we're just getting through the day. Now it's time to self-actualize again. 
figure mm-hmm. out who you are. What are some of the things that you loved when you were a kid? Did you like to roller skate? Maybe get your roller skates out or take photography, take some photos, organize your photos. <laughs> what are what are your yeah, what are your visions? What are your dreams? Yeah. We can still have, you know, I I sort of have this um a, another life uh that I like to cultivate this idea of living in another country part of the year, which I'm actually endeavoring to do. And I'm wholly into this, why not cultivate a different way of living in a different place mm-hmm. for part of the year that if you can do it, you know, stretch stretch Absolutely. the old comfort zones. Yeah, there's no, yeah, exactly. Find new ways of doing old things, you know, kind of things is mm-hmm. fun. Like cook, like you said about your your daughter. I have all these wonderful cookbooks. Every once in a while I'll make myself go, okay, Kyle, you've got all these wonderful cookbooks. You've got to make some recipes from here. So I'll have a, a, a couple, of, like, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll find some recipes and I'll cook something completely different than I've cooked in a long time. And that is so much fun. And, and sounds, cook for your family or yeah, your friends and yeah. watch everyone enjoy. And people love that and have them over for that. So I think those are great. Um, you know, how about um, getting out of debt? They talked about that as also a personal thing right now. Probably some of us have gotten out of debt. We haven't probably spent as much as last year. So mm-hmm. you've got to maybe plan for a trip that will eventually be able to travel again. So put that in your sort of dream board, your vision board for your life for the next couple of years. You know what really feels good? Figure out how much you used to eat out and then add up how much money you've saved. I know, it's true. But Dave and I figured out we've saved something like $8,000 the past year, honestly. <laughs> I bet that's, yeah, it's true. I know, exactly. You can't go out and you, we... That we sounds we very subscri- elitist. We subscribe to all these like Netflix. It's an Amazon now. It's like, that's yeah. nothing compared to what we used to spend. I hate to sound elitist, but I think we were eating out a breakfast and at least a dinner, and it was shocking to us. Oh, that's a lot. And and this year, I've learned, I've become a much better cook. I've learned how to eat more plant-based food, how to make tofu taste good, how to make gazpacho from scratch. Um, it, there's been all kinds of revelations in my world of cooking. I had always decided I couldn't cook. And and You're now I've cook. I've that's become a real revelation, and eating out has become a treat, the treat that it should be once in a while. You're a wonderful cook. <clears throat> so getting on to the next spoke is professional. Some of us are still working, oh. and I think this is a really good one because I think a lot of people who are in the professional world still working, especially our millennial kids, um, they are working way too much, and, and the balance is off. And so one of the things it talks about here was. Take all your vacation days. Take your vacation. Take a class. Allow yourself some space. Was it Bill Clinton that said at the end of his life he wasn't going to regret having gone to the office more? You know, it's yeah. kind of like you got to say to yourself, work is not everything. It may be a means to an end. It may be something that you love to do and you find your identity in it. But there's, life is bigger than work. It's so much bigger than work. And, you know, people that uh, I think that stats have shown that over over the last 20 years, we're working more hours, but we're not making more money. No. So what what is actually the point? And when I was a director in a, you know, at um, the big hormone testing lab that I worked for, I had a staff and I used to actually have to have them like insist that they take their, their vacation time. Oh yeah, I'm sure. They, so many people never use their vacation time. And sick time, like take a mental health day. But now it's a problem because so many of our kids, the millennials, are living in this gig economy. I know. They graduated into 2008, a major recession, and some of them have never gone back to, you know, nine to five jobs. And the gig economy demands even more yeah. from, you know, it demands more self-discipline to take those. Because it's so... They may, you may not have vacation days built fluid. in. You it's, have to choose them and right. make them happen. I agree. And leave... But if you are somebody who 
has an office. Leave your work there. Don't take it home with you. You yes, know, say good. no. Don't work overtime. Set limits. I love this one too. This is that from that book from our last episode. We talked about this little book called the Comfort Book. It's called No, No. I don't want to. No, I don't want to write that article for free. No, I am not on for Tuesday. No, I don't want another drink. No, I don't agree with you on that actually. No, I can't always <laughs> snap out of it. No, I wasn't rude when I didn't get back to a message I never saw. No, if it's okay, I don't want to collaborate with you. No, I'm not dumbing down. No, I can't do any dates in July. No, I don't want your leaflet. No, I don't want to continue watching. No, my niceness is not weakness. No, they aren't the next Beatles. (laughs) No, I'm not going to take that crap. I don't need to buy what you're selling. I'm not ashamed to make time for myself. No, I will no longer apologize for being myself. No. No is a good word. It keeps you sane. In an age of overload, no is really yes. It is yes to having the space you need to live. Oh, that's so important. Is that great? Yes, it is actually a yes. It is a yes. The judicious use of no, of the word no. I've had to learn how to say no because people always ask me to do things. I'm sure they always ask you to do things too because if you're a doer, people say, can you do this? And you're like, yes, yes, yes. And so one day you go, I have no time for me. And this is not really what I wanted to be doing anyway. And you gradually have to like extricate yourself from that and say, no, I don't want to do this. It's fine to say no. Is it, why is it? Why has it been so hard? What do we feel like we're disappointing people if we say no? I think women are, are more. Are we letting people down? Are we because of the caregivers of the of the I species? I think women. Are, women are, in most women, this is an overreach. But many women are people pleasers, and they have been taught to. We were taught in our generation. Yeah to socialize and to be the ones who say yes, to do whatever. And and when you find your own voice, finally, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, hopefully not that long, you say, no, that's not what I want to be doing with my time. Thank you, though. Thank you for considering me for this, but thank you, no. And, of course, part of this, all that we've been talking about when it comes to spirituality, our emotions, um, our thoughts, it's thinking about what we really do want, Exactly. And what we don't want. We've become so accustomed to, 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 I think, sort of pleasing people, doing what we think we should be doing. We don't really know what we want to be doing. We actually have to think about what is it that makes me happy? What makes me feel joyful and, and full and contained and content? What are those things? Some of us really need to take stock of that and look at it. And it might be far different than the things we've been cultivating in our lives. Yeah, I think, uh, again, you know, we vote with, our, with what we do. We vote with our time. We vote with our money. Where you spend your money, you're voting. Those things are important to you. So if you find yourself doing things that aren't important to you, you need to pull your vote back and put it where you want. Like for mm-hmm. me, I vote to walk in nature. I vote to swim. I mean, you do too. I, lo- I love doing volunteer work. But to a point, somebody just asked me the other day if I wanted to be on the board of directors of my condominium. I said, Oh, honey, you don't know. This is not my wheelhouse. This is not my strength. You don't want me on that board. No. No, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Mm -hmm. I'll do this, but don't put me on that. I mean, just because you, people go, will ask you to do things that they think you're going to be good at. But we know ourselves. That's not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, and we have to be, but it takes some self-reflection. And I don't think we, you know, it was a quote you said in a, 
I was listening to one of our interviews, and you said something about too many people have been under too much stress for too long. Yeah. And I think that that keeps you from knowing what you want. You're in a state of anxiety or overload or, you know, stress has become center stage in your life. And, um, you know, I, I think what we're talking about is is getting to a place where that's, you know, where we know what motivates us and what matters. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, and, and it's, and it, and it gets into hormone balance too. We shouldn't, uh, let's not leave that out. You know, we say we forget how, how we used to enjoy things or how we used to experience life because we move on and so much happens and we forget, but sometimes we forget how good we could be feeling, Absolutely. how much energy we used to have, how much zest for living we used to have. And if we're feeling stressed and anxious and overwhelmed, maybe we have an imbalance that we haven't yeah. that we haven't taken care of. And that's part of our self. That's a major part of self-care. We haven't even it's a major about part it. of stress management. Yeah. Um, Get your hormones checked. Be aware of, you know, the symptoms of hormone imbalance, the, the, the bad periods and, and, um, you know, and mood swings and hot flashes and urinary difficulties and vaginal dryness. That's Insomnia. not all, doesn't have to be normal. Insomnia Belly and bone fat. loss, all these things we talk yeah. about every day, but it's all part of the self-care. We can't leave out that fundamental pillar. I agree, because I mean, we're <clears throat> talking about all the things that Candace and I have covered over these two episodes have been all about self-care. But again, if you have a hormone imbalance, all of these things will help, but testing your hormones is key. Yeah, it's absolutely key. Cause I, I mean, I've seen and Candace has seen many, many women over the years who are doing a really great diet. They are exercising. They're really doing all the things right, but they're now in perimenopause and things have gone awry. Yeah. You know, we had the, some pretty high level athletes that come in that are really very disciplined people, but their bodies begin to change as well. So, yes, if you're having if you're struggling with any of these symptoms that we've mentioned before, Please do contact somebody. We're both available for consultations as well and be happy to help you with any kind of hormone imbalance. So we've covered a lot. We're learning. Life is about learning. It's a lot. And we've covered a lot. This, this, I love this idea of this wellness month, wellness month, wellness season that we're in right now. It's time to take care of ourselves. And we really have to get back to that again. We can't help the planet. We can't help our neighbor unless we take care of ourselves first. It, yeah. it feels selfish, but it's not. It's like having, like they say, when you're on an airplane, the oxygen, t put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help people around you. We have to sort of do the same thing for our, our bodies ourselves, don't you think and so? And it should be a constant awareness that, you know, doing the best for ourselves and others. When we do for ourselves, we are better for others in our lives, too. We, right. we can love better. We can share better. We can be more generous and giving and, be and kind. Friend. And I think we need to cultivate that. I mean, we know that we do, so. I do as well. This has been a lot of fun, this conversation. I hope you all have enjoyed it. And we tried to share some of our personal approaches to wellness. Yep. That absence of disease, that feeling great. What's wrong with that? Let's continue no. feeling great. What is one of our lessons, our 10 essential truths, that balance is attainable? Absolutely. And <clears throat> you have a lot of tools now to work with. And we'll look forward to seeing you. And we can't wait to interview Kenna and talk more about the creative side of finding out who we are. So until we see you again... Thank you so much for listening. Leave us a review. Okay, we'd love to hear from you. Happy Wellness Month and, uh, and onward. Be well. A votre santé. A votre santé. Well, here we are at the end of this WTF, Women Talking Frankly, podcast episode. 
In signing off, we want you to remember that what you are feeling is not all in your head. And that you have so many options to choose from to get you back to balanced living. Until next time, be well. And remember, if you want a great life, you need to ask great questions. Be courageous. Ask for what you need. With love, Kyle and Candace. Our website is womentalkingfrankly.com, where you can find all of our episodes, check out the show notes for resources, articles, and remedies, and where you can also feel free to email us with any questions, a hormone story, anything you'd like us to share with our listeners. Women Talking Frankly, WTF, is produced by Dan Rigger of Medicine Whistle Studios in his lovely Southeast Portland, Oregon studio. We want to thank our webmaster and dear friend, Deb Hollister of Pure and Simple Graphic Design. We also want to give a shout out to all of our family, friends, and patients for all of their support and encouragement to start this podcast. We are your hosts, Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch.